Happy Mother's Day to you all. Hey, let's honor our mothers in here today. Oh, come on. They had you. They carried you for nine months. All right. That sounds good. Cool. My mother is here, y'all. Let's praise God for my mom. Thanks, mom. And uh, it's just it's so good to, to see you. Uh, thank you for joining us this morning, our first-time guests. Even those of you who are new here, maybe you've been with us two, three, four times, but you still consider yourself new. Thank you for getting out in the rain and joining us today. Um, how many of you missed church last Sunday? We had to shut it down, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're back, and uh, we're, we're glad we're here. Uh, before I get started, um, once again, thank you all to all the mothers. I want to honor... Um, my wife and my mother, uh, all of you are great mothers, those who are mothers, but these two are the greatest. And uh, so we just want to honor them with some, some gifts, gifts, gifts. Thank you. We can celebrate them. Thank you. Love you. Love you, moms. Love you, moms. Thank you. You're, oh, you're, thanks for having me, mom. Thanks for having me. Um, yes, thanks for feeding me and teaching me and all that. You and all mom. And yeah, I was going to say that. You know, we're not going to leave our other moms hanging. Y'all are going to get some gifts on the way out. Okay, I can't guarantee it's going to be flowers, but we're going we're gonna to show you some love. So God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Um, we started a brand new series today in, called Let's Grow. Let's Grow. Anyone want to grow in your faith? Just a show of hands. Uh, yeah, let's, let's grow. Um, a couple weeks ago, we... We uh, talked about uh, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he, the son of God came and he died for our sins. Um, and he went into the tomb and he was resurrected in three days. And um, all that's great. And it, that, that's what our faith hangs on. Paul even says, if there is no resurrection, we're, we're kind of wasting our time being here. You might as well go and catch lunch and party. That's what he says in Corinthians like, if the resurrection didn't happen, this is null and void, church. But if it did happen, and if that's what we're basing our eternity on, um, let's grow. Let's grow before he comes back. You know, let's, let's grow. And so uh, Jesus is resurrected. In the book of Acts, we find the birth of the church. And they gave their hearts to Jesus. Peter preaches. 3,000 people come to Christ, and they start to grow spiritually. And, um, and so we're, we're going to dive in. Uh, in honor of Mother's Day, um, a lot of times I reflect on how my mother's words um, have rarely, if ever, failed me. Uh, I remember uh, when I was uh, within a, a few weeks of proposing to Pastor Kyra. And um, out of all the people I could have called, I called my mom. And so I... I just kind of let her know, like, I think I'm about to do this, and um, what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? And um, something she said stuck out to me. Um, and to frame it, I can't remember word for word, but she, she, she said that um, any, any woman as good a mother as Kyra, um, as hardworking as she is, um, 
she's, she's perfect for your proposal. She uh, deserves, not in the sense of she earned it, but she deserves that level of faithfulness from a man in her life. And so it was my mom's words that propelled me toward my wife. And uh, I remember a couple couple summers or winters ago, I came home from college and I just stopped and I kissed my mom in the kitchen, kissed her on the cheek. And I said, Mom, um, this is for all the years of discipline and correction and belts and spatulas. I don't know why I'm thanking you for this, but I do. And uh, I turned out pretty good. Her words never, never felt me. A good mom wants you to grow and to flourish. A good mom, a good parent wants you to grow and flourish. And so even, even in, in light of honoring mothers, and I know that's a broad spectrum there, aunties, sisters, uh, friends that have had a part in raising kids, we honor you today as well. Even if you don't have your own biological children, you're still a mother to someone out there. But it, it was by my mom's words, it's by their words that you grow. It may not always come out the way you want it, maybe a little harsh sometimes, a little edgy, but it's by their words that you grow. What I love about my mother's words throughout the years is, is for us is that God has given us his word. God has given us his word. It's the first point of encouragement. That being the Bible, when I say his word, God has given us his word. This is, in fact, the word of God. And it can be supported by the internal evidence, if you're taking notes, the internal evidence, those things within the Bible that testify of its divine origin. Um, if we don't believe that this has divine origin, it's just another book. If we don't believe that this thing is divine, we're just here at church to hear another talk. But it adds no value to us. It, it won't change us. Um, maybe you just, you're looking at a man who you know or you don't know, and it's, I like this church, and I found a place to go, and, you know. But if you don't consider what we're speaking from to be divine, like Paul says, our time is wasted. But there is internal evidence, meaning within the scripture, that provides or supports the fact that it is, in fact, from God. Number one, if you're taking notes, these are just cool things for me, man. 66 individual books make up the Bible. 66 books. The Bible was written in three continents. Three different languages make up the scripture. Over the course of 1,500 years, all of this was documented. 40 authors from different walks of life. Maybe a handful of them knew each other. Most of them, 95%, 35 of the others didn't know each other. And it's unified from the beginning to the end without contradiction. Uh, also within it are the prophecies, if you're taking notes, or the foretellings within it. Uh, for example, Jesus himself fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. So in your Bible, split down the middle, you have the Old Testament. You guys read from this way. In the New Testament, the Old Testament was before Christ. The New Testament was his birth, his death, his resurrection in the church. We are currently living in the New Testament period until he comes back for the church. We're going to talk about the church next week and the value of the church and 
why you shouldn't just come, but why you should be connected in community and what that looks like. But Jesus fulfilled over 300 Old Testament prophecies. They say that for one person to fulfill eight prophecies, there's a one in, um, I think, what's that word after trillion? I think it's quadrillion. There's a one in quadrillion chance of one person fulfilling eight of those 300 prophecies. So they said that only Jesus, or eight, you know, a.k.a. only God, could have fulfilled those prophecies. For example, um, the birth of Jesus. Isaiah 7, which is in your Old Testament, foretold 700 years before the birth of Jesus, and it was fulfilled in Matthew chapter 1. 700 years, the Spirit of God breathed on a man, inspired a man, and he was able to foresee the birth of you and I, Savior. 700 years. And the Bible says that as God breathed on men, they wrote it down. They were inspired. And we're going to read that verse later in 2 Timothy. Jesus' resurrection was a prophecy. 900 years, the greatest king in Israel, King David, Psalm 16, he prophesies about the resurrection of Jesus. Almost a millennia. And then it was fulfilled in Luke chapter 24. No other religious book has the extent or type of predictive prophecy that the Bible contains. And only divine origin can explain the amount of fulfilled prophecy. The other thing within the scripture is the, the unique authority and power. Within, drug addicts have been set free by it. Alcoholics have been delivered. Prisoners have been reformed. Husbands and wives have come back together through the word of God, through the preaching of the word of God. The depressed have been set free. Demons have been cast out. Children have been healed. The world has been turned upside down by the word of God. It's internal and it's in here. The other thing that supports the fact that God has given us his word is the external evidence. If you're taking notes, they say great teachers repeat themselves. If you're taking notes. These are the, the information with, without or outside of the Bible that provides the fact that it is divine. The historicity of the Bible. It accurately documents historical events. As a matter of fact, research has confirmed that it is the best documented book of the ancient world. The best documented book of the ancient world. The indestructibility, if you're taking notes, of the Bible, indestructible, indestructible. It has suffered more vicious attacks to destroy it than any other book in history. Early Roman emperors like Diocletian, communist dictators, atheists, agnostics, yet it is still the most widely published book in the world, if you're taking notes. I just feel this way. I feel like if you're going to build your life on something, build your life on something divine. Build it on something eternal. Build it on something true, tried, put in the fire. Build it on something that is super and natural. Build it on something that's relevant. Build it on something that is last throughout time. It is indestructible. It's been attacked by pseudoscience, psychology, and political movements 
Yet research confirms that it is still the truest and most relevant book of all time. The Bible. The Bible. And God loves us and he wants us to grow. That's why he's given us his book. It's because God loves us and he wants us to grow. So Matthew 7 verse 24 says this. Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus, and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So that's a, that's a New Testament text. That's Christ talking about his word who is God, and then Old Testament, King David, I always say if there wasn't, was not a Jesus in the Bible, which is impossible because he's revealed in all 66 books, so you can start anywhere in the Bible and Jesus is there, he's revealed, so he's concealed in the Old Testament, he's revealed in the New, so you can read Genesis, and we'll talk about asking for clarity, Jesus will pop out as you grow in your scripture reading. But anyway, Psalm 1 is in the Old Testament. It's written by David, and he says this here. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers. Verse 2, but they delight in the law of the Lord. The word law is instruction or word of the Lord. Meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted. I love this. Oh, Jesus, I love this. Along the river bank. There's an equation right there. And sometimes I, for me, I, sometimes I read scripture mathematically. So I like to see equations. So it's like rooted in the word is like, is equal to being a tree planted by the river bank. Which means I'm always going to have what I need to grow. There's an equation there. It's just one verse. Not looking for anything inspirational. You know what I mean? I, I think we're, we're in a society right now. I know my content now, so I'm a little loose. I'm going to get back to it. But I think we're in a society where it's inspire me, inspire me, inspire me. Tell me I can do the impossible and I can do this and this is going to happen. But when it doesn't happen in two hours, two days, and everyone doesn't like me. It's like, what happened to the quote? When you haven't met quota for four quarters and the company's like, we got to reconsider you or whatever. It's like, what happened to the quote? And so I think our roots have to be a little bit deeper. And he said they meditate on it day and night. They're in the word. And they're not, they're not in a Bible study just to learn it. They want to learn it to live it because it's within the application that you receive the reward. You get what I'm saying? So I can't read Jesus and he say, um, 
those who will be greatest among you shall be a servant. And then just come to a local church and say, yeah, this is my church. But are you serving? Oh, it's quiet. This ain't optimal outlook. Right? We're going to grow. So, like, when my mom would tell me, don't touch that stove, it's like, I don't like that. Don't tell me what to do. Let me touch it. I want it. I want I want it because it's going to be good. Like, the best awaits me if I touch this hot stove. And the best just, I can cultivate the goodness of the heat of the stove. Ooh, look. Look out the window. This ain't, this ain't that. So here I go. The best awaits me. Ah! So I grew. Right? Anyone want to grow? Let's give God some praise. If as your pastor, I can just push you a little bit during this series. Today we're going to talk about being rooted in the word. I want to give you a few thoughts. Rooted in the word. A few thoughts on being rooted. Number one, make it a priority. I didn't finish my verse. Bring bring back up verse 3, Psalm 1, verse 3. They are like trees by the riverbank. I love this, bearing fruit each season. Here it is. Here's the promise. Here's the promise. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all that they do. But, Pastor, you you don't get my life right now. All that you do. I'm single, and I've been single for 10 years. All that you do. I'm broke, but, you know, if I, if I start tithing and trusting God with 10% of my offering, all that you do. See, it got quiet right there because we get tight. <laughs> Talking about giving. <laughs> Pastor, I invited a first-time guest. Don't talk about giving. This ain't December, Pastor. Don't talk about giving. I'm just saying... He said, when you, when you give the tithe, I'll open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing. It's, and, and that could be a God blocking car trouble or crazy people or whatever. I don't know what the blessing looks like, but I know it's in the word. Don't feel good, but you're going to grow. And all that you do. First thought, here it is. If you're going to stay rooted in the word, number one, make it a priority. Make it a priority. The other week, um, we had date night. We went to the movie, and uh, we went to see Endgame. And so three weeks before our date, I, I scheduled date night. Uh, 1045 movie, three hours long. We set up our, our babysitter, and we started getting ready at 8 p.m. 1045 p.m. is the movie. We leave the house around 10 o'clock. We order our food when we get to the theater, watch this three-hour-long movie, 1045 to 145. We don't get back home until 2.30 a.m. in the morning. And so what we did is I scheduled three, three weeks in advance, seven-hour time block for a movie that gave us no benefit of anything in life ever. <laughs> and I could have waited for the red box. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it. I just. I'm a fan of villains, so you know, Infinity War was better. Anyway, so with that, see, I like. Anyway, the point is, is this: is that we made it a priority. And so, if we can time block movies and vacations and 
and, and lunches and dinners and shopping and all these things, we can make the word of God a priority in our lives. And, and you don't have to, it doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It can be 10 minutes in the word of God. As a matter of fact, in our first steps class, after you give your heart to Jesus, we, we kind of teach you what to do. And so a lot of people will say, hey, pastor, where do we start first in the Bible? Start with Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Start with Jesus. And my new thing was, my old thing was read a whole chapter. Now my new thing is you can just pause on eight or ten verses and, and just feed on that. Eight to ten verses, a section. So make it a priority. Number two, if you're going to stay rooted, ask for clarity. Ask for clarity. I want to encourage you here. Many people are discouraged when they read the scripture because they don't understand it. So when you're discouraged, you're not going to press in as much. But you can ask God for clarity because he's a person. And he'll give you clarity. For 13 years, I've been asking God before I read the Bible, Lord, give me in this moment what you will have me to understand. Because the scripture is what it's called, if you're taking notes, the manifold wisdom of God. Manifold, meaning that there are layers to understanding the scripture. So you can read something today, then read the same thing three months later, and it'll have a different meaning. But it, it, it won't be a divergent meaning. It will be converging. You're just building upon your understanding of what God is saying. In essence, what I'm saying is, is this. God wants to give you revelation. If you're taking notes, these, these note takers are giving me life. Revelation, what does that mean? God wants to reveal something to you about who he is. And then God wants to reveal something about you, to you, about his plan for you. So he wants to reveal something to you about you in light of his plan for your life. And so he, he can do that when you're reading the Bible. So I, I can live today. I, I can be filled up personally on Psalm 1, 1 through 3 all day. Just be, and, and then asking God, give me clarity in that, like, where do you want, like, how, how do I stay rooted? And so when you're growing in the relationship with God and in the Holy Spirit, he's like, well, I, I'm, I'm calling you to read 30 minutes a day. And, and if you would obey that, I want to show you something when you read. Right? It's about asking for clarity. Psalm 118 verse, 19, 119, verse 18. Open my eyes to see the wonderful truths in your instructions. Meaning like I can look at it, but I'm still not understanding what I'm reading. So the psalmist is showing us you can actually ask God to give you understanding. And he'll show you the wonderful truths. Jay came home a couple weeks ago. He had difficulty with division. He's in the fourth grade. He's doing fifth grade division right now. Crying, 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 bawling. So he came to the table. He's like, Dad, I just don't understand it. I helped him. His mom helped him because I passed him on. I'm like, I don't get it either. His mom helped him. And then we encouraged him. We said, go ask your teacher. And so um, he got clarity. Two, three days later, he comes back. He's killing it. He gets a 100 on his homework. He sought for clarity. Point number three or thought number three is this. Come to church hungry. You want to grow? Come to church hungry. Come to church hungry. I, I say it like this. God is the chef. The preacher is the waiter. 
and they're ready to serve you a, a platter. Come to church hungry. I, I think that we come and, and we're full of worry, rightfully so. That's why we lay hands on each other's shoulders. We're full of our plans. So it's, I'm going to wake up, get ready, go to church. But when we do that, it's just a transaction. I came, you saw me, hey, pastor, I'm out. Instead of creating space in your spiritual appetite for God to actually speak to you. And in one word, one sentence, one point, one verse can alter the course of your entire life. But when you're just, we can clap that up. We can clap that up. But when it's just a routine thing, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday's church. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Sunday's church. We miss it. And this is why when we just read Jesus, it was like, wow, that teaching was so amazing. It really wasn't. It was very simple yet profound. The thing about it is, is, is that they were so used to coming and sitting and hearing a spiritual leader recite the Bible. And so when Jesus came, he taught them kingdom or how to live. And so he taught differently. He would read the Bible. He would step away and he would say, this is how you should live. Matthew 5. If you want to know how to be blessed, read Matthew 5. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. Blessed are those who thirst, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the meek and the humble, for they shall inherit the earth. So, so he was feeding them God's word, not reciting the book. So what you got to do when you come to church is you have to come hungry. You got to come hungry. You got to come, Pastor, give me something, man. Like, I remember when I first gave my life to Jesus, um, 19 years old. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be diving in yeah, up to 1, 2 in the morning, diving in. And it'd be a Monday, and so it's like, no, I gotta go to, gotta go to school, diving in, diving in. Sometimes professors teaching, I'm in the Word, and then Tuesday nights we have Bible study. I come hungry. What you got for me, Pastor? Like I'm in the Book of John at home, but he's opening up the Book of Genesis, and so I'm learning about how Abraham is the father of our faith. But I'm personally reading about Jesus. He's teaching me about faith on Tuesday through the preacher. But I'm going home reading about Jesus, and it just all interconnects. And I'm like, man, God, you can do anything. Anything is possible. You can raise the dead. You can cause an old man who's 100 years old to have a baby. You can raise these resources. You can move these crazy people out of my life. And it's because I came hungry. You know what I'm saying? So come on, someone, 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 come hungry to the house. If you would come hungry, he feeds you. He feeds you. I prepare, he prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You, hell can be breaking out in your home. You just had an argument, but church is your table. Church is your table. Partake. So come to church hungry. Why? Why? This, uh, all this is jargon if Jesus doesn't validate it. So Matthew 4, Jesus said this. He said, people do not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That word there, live, is zoe, and it means thrive. A lot of us right now, we're thinking about lunch. Why? Because bre breakfast has worn off. Physical food sustains, but you thrive on the word of God. That's what he's saying. 
All right? And so, uh, oh, yeah, another way to be rooted is to be rooted in community. Be rooted in community. We have light groups. Find, find a, I want to encourage you to find a light group. Maybe this isn't your church home and you're just visiting. We're glad you're here. But find a local church where you can do life with people outside of Sunday. Get rooted in community. So when Jesus went to heaven and Peter preached his first sermon, 3,000 people came to Christ. They automatically, they rooted themselves in the community. And the Bible says they met every day, which tells me that the early church prioritized growth, not inspiration, not feeling good. They didn't prioritize, tell me what I want to hear. I can't grow that way. I don't know a person. We were at Laguna Beach this week. I have yet to find a person that grows at the beach. I have yet to find a person that grows in their bedroom. So they showed up every day saying, give it to me. Let's get into this word. Let's pull it apart. Let's base our lives on it. So get rooted in community. It's within light groups that you get clarity in the word. You get prayed for. Your, your, t- your, your group comes around you and supports you during a crisis. They celebrate with you when you graduate, having kids. They feed. We got meal trains going on all over the place. People having, I think, I, I think some of our people just having babies because they hungry. You know, you have a baby and we send a meal train your way. So, uh, but anyway, so yeah, getting a group in Acts 2 verse 42 says this. Here it is. All the believers de- devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What were they teaching? The word of God. So they would say, okay, Peter just taught this. I got my notes. I got my notes. I got my notes. Let's go and let's break it down. Let's go and let's eat. And they grew. And if you read the rest of that verse, Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says, and God added to their numbers daily. Churches grow when we grow spiritually. If you want your friends to change, they need to see that you're growing spiritually. I go to church now, I just gave my life to Jesus, but you're still doing the same thing you used to do before you went to Christ. I don't want any of that. I go to church, I just, I just gave my life to Jesus, and you're growing, and you're finding freedom, and you're smiling more, and you're strong, and you're standing up, and you're grateful. And they, they, may, they may disband you for a season, but eventually they'll come around and say, can I get some of what you got? I, I, I need that. And it's because you're rooted in the word. All right, the blessings of being rooted in the word. Don't just tell me the what and why and the how. Tell me the what's in it. Growth and direction. Growth and direction. Growth and direction. All scripture, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16. All scripture is inspired. That word there means breathe. God breathes on men by God and is useful to teach us what is true and what makes us realize and, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it, his word. To prepare 
and equip his people for every good work. Growth and direction. Like um, Jay, when, when Jay started playing, uh, well, he went from T-ball to machine pitch. T-ball, you know, it's, it's not easy, but it's easier. So machine pitch, he would hold his feet close and his elbow would be down. And he would miss like 90% of the pitches. And so we would go home and I'll, I'll do him some tosses. I say, son, um, lift your elbow, spread your legs, let's get balanced. Keep your eye on it. He, you saw his percentages soar. And so now he's entering a season where they're letting him pitch and he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Huh? And so I was with Judah at another field. I come over and I hear his mom say, Jay, lead with your heel, lead with your heel. And so it's. So he's leading with his heel, and his accuracy is on point. He's in the box. And so I say, Jay, the, the goal now is not speed, it's accuracy. I want to grow. Goal is not speed. It's God, correct me here. Correct me here. If I'm going left, but your word says go right, I need to go right. And now he's probably the best hitter on the team, definitely the fastest kid, but it's, God, I don't want to miss your direction. I don't, I don't want to miss the good work that you have for me in the city in my family, in my neighborhood. I don't want to get lazy in my growth. Ooh, can I tell you something? The best days of being with Christ is not that Sunday when you raise your hand. It's when you're five years in, and you're 10 years in, and you're 13 years in, and you're 15 years in, and you're 20 years in, and you're serving. Oh, Jesus, the best days are not now. It is as you get into that word, and God's like, this is going to hurt, but if you allow me to do this, I'll cut you, I'll stitch you up, you'll heal, and, and, and you'll get it, and you'll be right, and you'll bear more fruit. And, and it's every single good work. God wants to put people of character in high positions. Not deep wonders. You show up on the job and you preach in the, no, 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 no. He, he wants you to, to have character and, and wisdom and and, and discernment, and he, he wants us to lead well and to have patience when people don't have patience and to love when people are rude and to be excellent when the culture is not excellent. Jesus, someone need to clean up Target in Gaithersburg. If not, it's going to close down soon. He wants us to be, y'all ain't with me because this hurts. Is this good preaching? I need you to get with me. But it's about growth and direction Growth, 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 maturity. God, am I wrong going this way? Well, change me and teach me to go this way. Am I lazy in and out right here? Well, well, tell me something from your word. I'll, I'll spruce it up. Am I wrong in holding this bitterness? Yeah, you're wrong. For those who don't forgive shall not be forgiven. That's what Jesus says. Growth and, and direction for every good work. Good work, good Good work, good work. I'm so proud of this church. You, you guys are doing phenomenal. The county just gave you um, an award for all of your service 
towards the, the, the mentally ill community in Montgomery County. You, you, and I don't know if you've served yet, but the, the county, MoCo, our, our church of 400, two-year-old church, cooped up in a school. That, that's a church that's living out the word. That's a church that's growing, that's going in the direction of God. And, and he's putting us in high places. I tell the leadership team all the time, I'm, what, 32? I said, by the time I'm 40, we're going to be counseling the president. Can you dream with me? And, and what I don't, that's a good work. I don't want to miss that. So what about little 32-year-old punk young me needs to change over the next eight years so we can get into the White House, get the gospel across the country? It's good works. And you got to grow into the work. So growth and direction. The, the second thing, the second blessing here is strength and endurance. Strength and endurance. There, there are some apple trees out there that take three to five years to bear fruit. And so Jesus talked about in Matthew 7 how the winds and the waves and the storms come. He said, be, be founded upon my word. You got to think, year one, no fruit. Year two, no fruit. Year three, no fruit. Year four, no fruit. Year five, no fruit. That hurts. That hurts. No fruit. Pain, pruning, uprooting, refertilizing. Cutting my leaves. Why are you cutting my leaves, man? That's all I have. No fruit. But, but when you're rooted in the word, that, that tree gets stronger, and it just stays. And its branches begin to see that, that green ball come through, and it grows, and it turns red. Five years. But what you need is strength and endurance. Not a quote. <laughs> you need word. You need correction. You need truth. This hurts. I don't understand this. I don't know why, God, you haven't touched this situation, why you haven't healed it. The Bible says that those who trust in the Lord are never put to shame. You need promises. You need, sometimes you got to hold on to a promise for 10 years. 10 years. I will do that through you. I will send that person. I will start that business through you. I will start that ministry through you. I will give you a dream. But are you rooted in the word while you're waiting on that dream? Strength and endurance. The word gives us strength and endurance to overcome. The winds and the waves will come. But Psalms 1 said in due season, when you stay rooted, the promise will come through. The third blessing is this. Come close me out. Success and prosperity. Success and prosperity. Psalm 19, 7 through 11 says this. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear giving insight for living 
Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant. Don't touch that stove. A great reward, success and prosperity for those who obey them. Now, the word obedience sounds hard in our generation, but it just simply means to follow. There's great reward in unconditionally following, unconditionally trusting the word of God. No timetables, just trust and follow. Where prosperity just simply means to advance. So maybe you want to prosper in your home, your finances, your spiritual walk, wherever. The word of God is what you need to prosper. Let's give God's word a hand clap of praise. Stay rooted. Now with every head bowed, let's pray. Father, we love you. We give you honor and glory. God, I pray that that this word that was just preached, God, I pray that it found good soil. So, God, I pray that it would bear fruit in due season. God, give us the grace and the strength to endure. Father, give us a, a desire for the scripture. And, Lord, we won't feel the pressure to to have to read for an hour, God. But we we do want to be in your presence so you can speak to us. So God, I pray that you would guide your children to that gospel or one of Paul's letters and that they would just read section by section that God, you would speak to them promises, instruction, guidance, direction. Give us the strength to obey and to follow, because therein is great reward. Now, with every head bowed, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, church, we should be praying. I want to give you this opportunity and invitation. God loves you. He sent his son to die on the cross for you. And maybe today is your day. You're saying, Jesus, I want to give you my heart. Or you know Jesus and You need to come back to him. Maybe that's where you are. His arms are wide open. And so on the count of three, if you would just raise your hand, I will acknowledge that hand and we will pray together as a church. If you're coming to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. On three, one, two, three. Just raise that hand. Praise God. Let's pray, church. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sin. Fill me with your spirit. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you, church.